Kawhi Leonard hosted his former team, the Toronto Raptors, Monday in Los Angeles. How have the Raptors fared without him on the heels of their first ever championship? Plus, the Knicks keep getting Knicksier, with reports that the front office is aligning against head coach David Fisdale. It's Tuesday, November 12th, and this is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Kawhi Leonard wasn't at his best against his former team, but his new teammates came up big, and the Clippers managed to come away with the win anyway. Kawhi made just two of his 11 shots and had nine turnovers, but six-man Lou Williams led a strong effort from the bench with 21 points as the Clippers beat the Raptors 98-88 to Monday night. Kawhi finished with 12 points, 11 rebounds, and nine assists to go with those nine turnovers. Throughout the game, the Raptors sent bodies Kawhi's way. As soon as he was across half court, Toronto trapped him and tried to get the ball out of his hands. After all, the Raptors know better than anyone just how good Kawhi is. Of course, last season, Kawhi led the Raptors to their first ever championship, averaging 30.5 points and 9.1 rebounds in the playoffs and beating the Warriors to earn his second Finals MVP award in his career. But after the game, Kawhi didn't take much time to reflect, saying, quote, I had a great time there. It's the next chapter now. I can't live in the past. I'm with a different team, and they want to have the same feeling. The Clippers bench outscored Toronto's 56-35 in the win. Missing Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, the Raptors were led by Pascal Siakam, who had 16 points and 10 rebounds. Of all of the Raptors, Siakam is the one who can make up for the loss of Kawhi. In nine games this season, Siakam's numbers have skyrocketed from a breakout season just a year ago. He's gone from averaging 16.9 points per game last season to 27.4 this season. His rebounding has gone from 6.9 to 9.4 boards per game and he's taken on a larger role facilitating the offense, averaging nearly four assists per game this season. The 25-year-old Siakam seems poised to make the all-star team and become Toronto's new building block. In the end, though, the Clippers got the win, thanks to a deep team that is still without second star Paul George. If Monday night proved anything, it might be that Kawhi made the right decision. Up next, the Knicks, always making the wrong decision. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. On Sunday, the Knicks suffered a blowout loss to the visiting Cavaliers, and after the game, General Manager Scott Perry and Team President Steve Mills gave an impromptu post-game press conference deriding the state of the team, all before head coach Dave Fisdale had held his regular post-game press conference now ESPN is reporting that the front office is setting the stage to fire Fizdale. David, my question for you is, does it get any nixier than this? No, it doesn't. And that's the saddest thing ever. It's just, there's no way for this team to get out from under themselves. They, they find a way to self-sabotage at every opportunity. And it's easy to put the blame on James Dolan because he is, by all accounts, a pretty terrible human being, at least when it comes to ownership of this team and, and his personal... Uh, interactions with fans and things of that sort. But the reality is that he's probably more of an owner in absentia. He doesn't really meddle from what we've heard in the day-to-day affairs of this team. But they've hired a front office that's supposed to work in conjunction with one another. It doesn't quite seem that that's the case. And then they put together a roster that doesn't make any sense. And now they're pinning it all on David Fisdale. It just, it's ridiculous because yeah, the, the coach is only capable of doing whatever he can with a roster that works. I mean, there's no way of maximizing talent if they don't blend together, if they're mediocre talents to begin with, if they if they have glaring weaknesses on defense the way this team does. I, it's just, 
What, you, what is David Fizdale supposed to do? And I, I'm still not sure that Fizdale is the right coach for this situation, but at the same time, he hasn't been given the tools to really work anything out. Yeah, he, he took the Knicks job in part because he had other offers. I know the, the Suns offered him, the Hawks were offering him, but he took the Knicks job in part because he wanted to coach Kristaps Porzingis. And then within the year, the Knicks turn around and trade Kristaps Porzingis. Now, I know there was a lot of other factors involved in that, but now Fizdale has to coach a team that's basically 15 power forwards. And so that's a little that's that's a pretty difficult situation to be in for him. And you look at nobody expected this team to be any good. We're recording this um, right now, where the Knicks and the Warriors both have the are, are tied for the worst record in the league. Now, when you look at the Warriors, that's because all of their players got hurt. When you look at the Knicks, it's because the roster was so poorly constructed that everybody saw this coming. This was not a surprise to anybody in the way that the Warriors' slow start was a surprise. So, yeah, I don't. I, I'm I'm with you. I don't know that. Like Fisdale has his own history, he you know it didn't work out in Memphis because he was he clashed with players in the front office, and it's not working out with the Knicks because they gave him a, a, a lousy team to coach. But it, it it makes me think, boy, would this be dif- how different would all of this have been had they not screwed up the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving thing? Because by all accounts, it sounds like they they could have been in the running for that, and they really screwed it up. Um, and, and especially James Dolan screwing it up, basically saying on radio that it was a done deal or whatever it was. And had they gotten Durant, none of this happens, right? Dave Fisdale's probably still the coach. Everybody's happy because they're win- uh, because they'd be winning. I mean, Durant eventually hurt his Achilles, but I think there would be a lot more patience. There'd be a lot longer of a leash here. Yeah, it, there'd be some light at the end of the tunnel, and and maybe. I know some fans were optimistic that maybe this team would be able to figure it out that. And maybe the pieces would find some way of working together and that there was enough complementary talent there where they'd take a, an evolutionary step. But now you're starting to feel that same old feeling that you felt for the last few years, which is that there's no hope for this team. If you have Durant on the roster, at least you could say, well, there's always next year when one of the top five players on the planet will still be available to us and he'll guide us out of, of, of the doldrums that we've been in for, what, three decades now? Um, so, right. you know, it's, it's just hard to envision what happens next for this team because again it is as we've talked about a mismatched roster it's a front office that's probably going to be fired at some point soon and and right now it's easy to just put the blame on Fisdale because that's just the way things are done in in the NBA where you can always put the blame on the coach he's the easiest to let go you can't trade away these contracts because nobody wants them you you gave Bobby Portis too much money you gave all these players too much money and and it's just it's easy just to go ahead and trade and, and and fire Fisdale and especially if you're if you're um, uh, Scott Perry, who is in charge of putting this roster together, that clearly did not work. And we've seen we've seen this a thousand times, right? When the GM is in trouble, well, the first guy to go is the head coach, and he tries to find a new coach who could hopefully make something out of his mess. And in this situation, Fisdale can't because it's a pretty big mess. And according to this ESPN report, I mean, this isn't just a, a general manager maybe firing a head coach for underperforming, but there does seem to be some power plays happening. There, there's This is like an episode of Succession, basically, where guys are aligning with other people and this whole thing. So it's just going to get more and more dramatic. And, and if you fire Fisdale, what coach is going to want to take that job? Right? I mean, I know there's only 30 of these jobs, blah, blah, blah. But seriously, what coach is going to want to take this job? We've already seen a situation with the Lakers where they couldn't get their number, their, their number one, number two, or number three targets. And I think the Knicks thing is way worse than what the Lakers were because at least the Lakers have LeBron. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, I, maybe the top end 
coaching candidates will have the luxury of being able to say, no, maybe this isn't the right fit for me, but right. they can still fill it pretty easy. I mean, they'll be able to fill the I mean, position. They'll fill it, it just might not be. Yeah, it might not be with their top <laughs> choice, which is unfortunate. But yeah, that's the reality. Coming up, are the Phoenix Suns for real? We may find out tonight when they play the Lakers. The Phoenix Suns have been a surprise story of the young NBA season. At 6-3, and three, they are positioned for a possible playoff run. But are they for real? Tonight will be a great test. They're going to take on LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Western Conference-leading Los Angeles Lakers. I don't want to talk about the Lakers, David. I want to talk about the Suns. And I don't want to get too caught up in their fast start. But there are signs that this team could make the playoffs. I'm not quite at that point yet. They, they do look good. And, and I think that's fair. I mean... It's okay to say that this team looks good, and and they do. They're 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 much more impressive offensively than I would have expected this team to be. Monty Williams has done a phenomenal job of instilling a culture there where there hasn't been one for a number of seasons. He has everybody working well, and it's also, I think, a testament to team building the right way. When you've got an established, or maybe not an established star, but you have a good star in terms of Tevin Booker, and then you fill him, fill the rest of the roster with quality role players. You can get some pretty quality level of play there. But at the same time, I'm not quite ready to put this team as a playoff. I think there, there's just too much time in between now and the end of the season and, and too many opportunities for something to go wrong with this Phoenix team that we've seen take a bad step here and there over the last few years. They have some impressive wins. They beat the Clippers. They've beaten the 76ers. They just beat the Nets on Sunday. Um, so some quality wins, right? And Devin Booker looks yeah, great. Yeah. He looks to have taken a leap, you know, another leap here. He's he's finding you know he's finding teammates now. He seems to be a really you know he's taken a step as a facilitator. It helps that his teammates are competent now, like that helps yeah. a lot. Um, and the Monty Williams thing can't be overstated because I mean he he has changed the culture. He's also changed the schemes. That he's simplified things, uh, especially defensively. Everything's funneling towards the rim or uh, you know off the three point line and stuff so their their rim protection numbers defensively have been really good they're they're not allowing a lot of threes i think they're allowing you know one of the, the five fewest threes in the league you know one of the the best five teams in the league at doing that so yes there are there are signs there that okay this system that they have is working and those are kind of the those are sort of the benchmarks that you want set early in the season and and, and benchmarks that kind of mark what could be a playoff team now, again, I don't want to get too caught up in the fast start, but Devin Booker's a really good player. That's not breaking news. Ricky Rubio has been a nice fit there. They have all these ball, uh, you know, all these ball creators now, like Tyler Johnson coming off the bench and Kelly Oubre able to do some stuff. So Devin Booker's not being asked to literally just do everything on offense all the time, and it's translated to a better performance on defense for him too. Yeah, and and you you uh, did not mention. Uh, Aaron Baines, who's had a pretty productive year as well. And, and this is all with the, uh, without really DeAndre Ayton. I mean, maybe yeah. their second best player suspended for 25 games. And, and we're not sure how he's going to fit onto this roster once he comes back. I mean, they look good in the game that he did play. But at the same time, uh, you know, now he's going to be an ex- a welcome addition there. Hopefully he's practicing with the team and he can at least kind of mesh his talents along with the rest of this roster there. But, yeah, they, they do look very good defensively. They're committed. They're actually pretty imp- impressive offensively as well. They're one of the top scoring teams well, in the league. And Can we go back to Baines? Because I'm glad you brought him up. I mean, he's averaging yeah. 16 points per game. He's shooting four three-pointers a game. Making He's making half of his threes almost. He's shooting 47% from three-point range. You add um, six rebounds a game, three assists per game. Are we sure he's not better than DeAndre Ayton? Because I think he might be better than DeAndre Ayton, especially <laughs> defensively. He's... He's a big dude. He is stout. I mean, he single-handedly broke Stephen Curry's hand and ruined the Warriors' season just by falling <laughs> on top of him. And so, 
like that's a dude that when you have him at the rim, no wonder they're defensively that they're better. I think what what are they? They're they're fourth. Um, I'm sorry, they're third. Where are they in defensive rating? Now I'm looking it up. They are 11th in defensive rating. They're third in offensive rating. I mean, that's a and, and they're they're pretty they're high up there in in overall net rating. They're fourth in net rating in the league. And I think Aaron Baines has a lot to do with that because he stabilizes things defensively and he's spreading the floor offensively offensively he's got like this sort of brooke lopez type effect on the team yeah and, and Ubre has been fantastic uh yes, using has. his length finally being maximized in a way that he was not in in washington he's he's just bringing a lot of energy too from what i've seen of him he's just constantly bringing a high level of energy he's committed to playing defense he's getting on transition fast breaks there and and being able to finish at a high level and, and he seems to have bought into the changes that are making place there he's not I don't think he's we're ready to call him a star, but at the same time, I think he's I'm happier ready. with his role there. Yeah, I know you're you've been ready for the past five years now, but yeah, um, <laughs> I've, I've always either been way. Ready for the I think it's a really solid appearance, team. but but Devin Booker, Devin Booker might be an all star this year, right? I mean, twenty six points per game, five and a half assists per game. I mean, his shooting clips are insane. He's he's fifty fifty ninety at this point. So I mean, if he keeps this up. Not only will it be it'll be a historic season. I don't think he'll keep up fifty, fifty, ninety, but he sh- he he ought to make the All Star game this year. Yeah, especially if Stephen fair. Curry opens up a spot too, right? Absolutely. And, and look, I mean, this is if we're talking about the Knicks in the previous segment, this is the antithesis of that, in which this is a case of actual solid roster building where you get a, a clear pl- good player. Ooh, I wouldn't. In, in, I wouldn't go that far. No. Not yet. I, mean, I still look, think that it, there are some questions. I think that the Cameron Johnson pick was weird. The Josh the Josh Jackson trade was really bad. I, I think that there's still some thing there's still some holes, but it's it's basically but no you, like adding guys like Ubre like the Ubre heist was was a great deal you know capitalizing on the Wizards dysfunction. Um, Baines was a really nice signing. Ricky Rubio makes a lot of sense. So I, I like the Tyler Johnson trade that seems to be paying off a lot more for them than it did for Miami who got Ryan Anderson in the deal. But um, so there's some things I like, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to praise the front office because there's still some some head scratchers. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe would you expect them to make a move later on this season if they if they start to sniff the playoffs? Let's say they're hovering around five hundred by the trade deadline. Can you anticipate that they'd be willing to package? I don't know what they have on their roster. Maybe the expiring contract of Tyler Johnson, to be honest with you, but mm-hmm. maybe they make a move for another quality role player or even a potential star. I mean, they could, but wouldn't that be a lot like what they did the last time they got out to an unexpected fast start, and that ended up completely cratering the team for half of a decade i think the big question is how do you fit deandre ayton back in i mean you you have to start him because you picked him number one when he returns but i mean how much how many more minutes are you giving to baines are you really going to bring baines off the bench as good as he's been and is are we clear that ayton's a center i mean is there any chance of him playing the four or baines sliding down to the four i mean that would probably be a weakness defensively but at the same time if you want to have both of them on the floor i mean we saw some big man lineups in boston last year with baines um, but I, I think Al Horford's certainly a much more versatile player than, uh, than DeAndre Ayton at this point. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they put Ayton and Baines out there together. I mean, Ayton is athletic. Baines can shoot threes. I mean, why not? It's crazy, but who knows? But these are questions that they can answer later on in the season. The Suns play the Lakers tonight. For David Rommel, I'm Wes Goldberg, and this has been Locked On NBA.